Hey guys, this is Dagon123, and welcome to... Hello everybody, and welcome to part two of No Need for a Trilogy, and yet another exciting episode presented by TensiForum.com. And of course, what cast would be great without great people to accompany it? And with me, I have Chuck. Hello. JG. Hello. Mittens. Hiya. RyokoFan21. Hey. And Mitchell93. Hello. With the success of the first movie, and Tenchi popularity being at its height in 1997, a second movie was almost certain. But what about would be a whole different story for Tenchi fans. If we look at all of the Tenchi franchise prior to 2000, we see that the English versions have all been renamed from what they originally were. However, the movies have the most drastic change as far as names go, and the second movie being the most so. Not only was the name changed from Midsummer's Eve to The Daughter of Darkness, but the cover itself to the DVD was literally a polar opposite to the original. Did this change any preconceived notions you had going into the movie? And do you think the name change was necessary? Personally, I didn't even really know about the name change when I first started watching the movie. I just thought it was originally called Daughter of Darkness. You know, I thought it was always that until I had seen, you know, on the internet or wherever or, you know, heard one of us talking about it. I didn't even know that it was previously a different name and the DVD cover was different because I had the three disc set. So I didn't really have the, I guess, the cover of the second movie on it. So I didn't even really know. Uh, well, much the same as uh, Mitch. I really didn't know either. I just, of course, I discovered the movies through the forum's YouTube channel, and I don't remember right now, but I think it's actually under both names on the YouTube channel. So I guess I kind of always saw the names together. I didn't really because I wasn't around when the first release came out. I don't think it really matters that much of a difference to me. I like both names. I think Midsummer's Eve is pretty uh, on on target when it comes to the plot, unlike some of the other movies like Tenshi Muyo in Love, we really don't see how the title connects with the, the story, but both Midsummer's Eve and Daughter of Darkness, both titles, they both really actually uh, convey lots of the plot, and I don't really think the, uh, the movie poster change really affects anything. Well, I kind of echo again uh, Mitch and Chuck, is that I wasn't really aware that there was a, a cover or a title change, and you know, I'll bring this up too for people listening that have no idea what we're talking about, but Midsummer's Eve, Daughter of Darkness was actually a novel in the Hasegawa novel series. I think it's number 11 or so in there, and granted it's based off the Tenchi Universe or Tenchi TV continuity to some degree, but it, it really, it's almost a standalone movie, and it's got a kind of a different title because of that. The connection with being a novel first and then it becoming a, a movie... And then the you know the cover change doesn't really bug me, but the title change just makes things more diluted and confusing for people when you're trying to go through what little information there is for Tenchi fans, you know, outside of certain forums like Tenchi Forum. I'm gonna echo something I said last week. I found the first two movies on the shelves in a local video store, not even knowing that they existed. Same thing applies for the second one. You know, unlike Mitch, you know, when I first saw it, I didn't know that. 
Midsummer's Eve was his original title. I had always thought that it was called Daughter of Darkness. And then later on, when I got back into Tenchi, found out that it was originally called Midsummer's Eve. And I watched the movie again, and kind of like Chuck said, both titles make sense for it, you know, being that Daughter of Darkness, you know, Tenchi supposedly has a daughter, and then it takes place during the summer, during what would be the Startica Star Festival on Jirai. So seeing, seeing that again, both titles do make sense. And first seeing it for the first time, I had no conceptions about what it was going to be you know it was all i knew is that it was a tension movie and i was going to enjoy it uh, well i only really knew it as a uh, daughter of darkness although i did find out about the name change obviously it i don't know i just when i first saw it it made me it saw the title it made me think like oh my god must be evil or something so um yeah i don't really know why they changed it but i think the first the original name appeals to fans more when i first saw the second movie i actually picked up my copy from a local game shop of all places years ago my first thought was who is this new girl and who is this new demon character and instantly i was excited from seeing it it looks like it's going to be really action-packed like tenchi is in his uh light hot garb and in that respect i don't think it was really false advertising the daughter of darkness there is action there's plenty of that so you know looking at the original cover and looking at this one i think genion did a great job of picking what would grab the user the best purist today would probably throw a hissy fit over it not being called Midsummer's Eve. You see all the time where one line gets mistranslated and newer anime fans just flip like, oh my god, why was that changed? You know, why was it not perfectly translated, so to speak? But Daughter of Darkness just sounds cooler. And while the original cover of the cast being happy, enjoying the summer as a Midsummer's Eve title would imply, it just doesn't have the same punch to it as this really epic action cover in the name Daughter of Darkness, which reflects that. Tenchi the movie introduces us to two more new characters. Mayuka, Tenchi's daughter, and Yuzuha, a demon girl. What are your thoughts on them? Uh, well, I guess I'll start with uh, Mayuka. I mean, she's sort of one of the focus points of the movie. I quite liked her. I, didn't, I don't know how I would feel about her when I first saw the movie. But after seeing it a few times, I really like her. I thought she uh, she fit in well with with the cast. That her fights with uh, Ryoko were entertaining, and I like I like how she just appeared out of thin air. And Tenchi has no idea what to do with her. He takes her home, and he's he's shy and doesn't know what to how to in, how even how to introduce her to to the rest of the gang. And they all start, of course, asking really tough questions, and he just doesn't know how to handle it. I really liked. She didn't get too much character development, but I mean, it was a short movie after all, but I thought she was very cute. She uh, she fit in well with the, the cute aspect. I don't think she was a bad character. She was near, she was nowhere nearly as uh, as emotionally deep as someone like Ryoko, perhaps, in this movie, but uh, I really I really enjoyed her character. As for Yuzuha, on the other hand, I really don't like Yuzuha that much as a villain. Her voice is just so grating. It's very nasally. She just seems a bit childish for, for a Tenchi villain. I mean, it is, it is sort of a kids' show. But, I mean, this is a movie, and we've we've seen OVA Kagato, we've seen Kane, even uh, Universe Kagato, and they're serious villains. And Yuzaha just seems a bit of a joke, a straw man almost. Um, it, it was interesting to see uh, her past with Yosho. That was that was interesting to see. But other than that, I really didn't find that much that I enjoyed about Yuzaha. I'm going to reiterate a lot what Chuck just said on Yuzaha. She wasn't really. She wasn't the greatest villain, but then again, she also wasn't, you know, she was neither 
overly impressive or overly a terrible villain in terms of just the way she acted. I mean, personally, though, I thought her possessed toy collection was a little more dangerous than she was, but I'll get to that in another point. And at the end of the movie, you know, when she goes through her transformation, spoiler alert, the first time I saw that, I thought back to the end of Fantasia. You know, I just... It was it was it was really weird to think of something like that. And uh, as for Mayuka, I thought she I thought she was really sweet, but a little on the crazy side. You know, she's like Chuck said, she's just this this girl who appears out of nowhere, and Tenji just has no idea what to do to do with her, and then she just calls him daddy, and he freaks out. Yeah, she's sweet, but she's kind of like someone you would to hang out with, but at the same time you'd want to keep your distance a little bit from her. I'm going to be the odd man out as usual in here, but the uh, I'd take the stance more like Ryoko did in the movie and kind of take Mayuka and flare at the pike, burner at the stake, whatever. And she She's entirely too clingy to even act the role of daughter. The, the speed or the feel of the movie, which I know we'll get to maybe later, but was really, really fast-paced. So, I mean, it, it was just like all thrown at you super fast. And the end bickering and everything, uh, which granted that's kind of necessary considering her role with the other girls there. Mayuka just, there there wasn't anything needed to me. It was more like she was a, a tool to be manipulated to try and do something, but she failed in that regard. It kind of even has undertones of like Zero Ryoko was in the second Tenchi OVA. Uh, where she wanted to kill Tenchi or she was being used by Clay's manipulative object to try and do something. Uh, it was the same way. She, she's not real. She's a created object to try and you know, do something there. And she you know, has her little redeeming moment there towards the latter part of this movie for Mayuka. But it just didn't really fit with me on that part of it. And like the others have said as to Yahuza. But yeah, the the part with Yosho in the past and the Jiraiyan festival and that 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 was kind of interesting to see. But otherwise, she pretty much just acted like a timeless spoiled brat with weird superpowers. I mean, that's been covered by other movies, you know, in the past sufficiently. It's just he uh, went by too fast. I would have much rather seen like Mayuka the the later years when she's not you know mind warped by crazy blue elf girl and go around and see her growing up in the Tenchi household as a as a proper daughter figure you know and taking on some of the traits maybe of her the other gals there is kind of a parentage but I, I wasn't real thrilled with it overall I'm not a Mayuka fan at all uh, and JG had a lot of nice points about her and I d- it didn't help that her English voice uh, although, you know, an excellent voice actress. Like, she was the same as Sakia from Tenchi in Tokyo, so that didn't help me there. I don't know, I just didn't like the idea of Tenchi's future daughter showing up and one of the girls being her mom. And plus, I don't know, she's a brat and just kind of creepy, wanting to do dirty things with her father. Um, and, uh, uh, I don't know, she just wasn't a strong villain. I didn't really like her either. She just blah. Well, I guess everyone doesn't like her, but personally, I like I like Mayuka. I mean, I know she's clingy and crazy and whatnot, but I like her. I mean, I don't know why. I just she's a little weird, but I'm a Ryoko fan, so I don't like how all the other girls are like, oh, you know, I'm gonna be the mom, or no, I'm the mom. But and for the villain wise, I don't like her at all, cause you mean, cause like she spies on him the whole time, and you can sit, you know, you can de- totally see that 
she gets jealous about it. You know, she sends my Mayuki in there to, I guess, cause trouble or disrupt something or cause this and that and the other. But most of the time, they're just you know, having, you know, having fun or just hanging out. And she, she totally hates it. I don't like her because she tries to, you know, fuck things up, but it doesn't work out for her. Man, I guess I'm the odd man out of the odd man out here. Hands down, Yuzu Hall was my favorite Tenchi villain of all time. Don't get me wrong, I love Kagato, I love Kane, but everything about her is just radically different than what we would expect from a Tenchi villain. And it's not so much that she's a villain as she is tragic. I mean, yeah, she did kill those kids at the beginning of the movie. Spoiler, but I mean, it's the beginning of the movie. But when she saw Yosho, she changed a little bit, and all she cared about was him. So in typical Tenchi plot fashion, because of Yosho, a former romantic interest takes it out on Tenchi in the gang, but in the most strange way possible. And being voiced by Barbara Goodson in the English dub, who probably is close to being my favorite voice actor of all time, Yuzuha was just my favorite character throughout the movie, so I guess I'm standing alone on that one. Mayuka was an interesting character because of her entanglement with Tenchi, as she is quote-unquote biologically his daughter with Yuzuha. Like Mitten said, she reminds me a lot of Sakia, except that her writing was considerably better, and I don't feel like, I don't feel like she was wasted airtime. Which is ironic, as she's voiced by the same voice actress, uh, Julie Madalena. In fact, the parallel to Tenchi in Tokyo's plot is striking as well, looking at the character who gets screwed, the shadow character, etc. But, like JG said, considering the novels had already been out by that time, I think we know who t who took the idea and did better with it. While both movie 1 and 3, respectively, take place in the universe timeline, Midsummer's Eve, The Daughter of Darkness, is based on one of Naoko Hasegawa's novels. And for those that don't know, Hasegawa was one of the original creators of Tenchi. She was the scriptwriter for two episodes and storyboarder throughout. Does the idea of consistently watching different continuities bother you? Or do you just like it being Tenchi either way? And would you like to see more unique spins on the Masaki household like the second movie did? I like seeing the different continuities. Um, if it's Hasegawa's realm, I would definitely like to see more of it. More films based off of her work. Because, I mean, it means more Kione, too, since she created her, and Kione is awesome. Yeah, I would like to see different, different spinoffs and different adventures in the Misaki household. You know, I love the second one. I would, I would like to see more of it, definitely. The, the different continuities don't bother me, really. It, it kind of bothered me when I first got into Tenchi through Tsunami, and then I saw the second movie, and it's like, wait a minute, something, which story does this follow? You know, the house has a blue roof instead of a red roof. And then I got back into Tenchi in 2009. I thought the same thing. Wait a minute, does this follow the OVA line? Because the house has a blue roof, once again, and it has the floating bathhouse over off in the distance. But I, I do like the different continuities. It's just for the movies, you know, one and three follow the universe timeline and they're broken up by the uh, Hasegawa novel storyline in the second movie. It's just, I, I do like different continuities. I just wish that they would kind of group them together a little bit just to make it a little more fluid and visceral. It's not the right word. Uh, more uh, streamlined, I guess, would be just to keep everything on. Then again, I, I, I'm a neat freak that way. You know, I like, you know, everything to make sense and follow in one particular order, but, you know, I think I'd just like to see more Hasegawa novels made into animes, you know, period. Yeah, I suppose I'll, I'll echo some points that uh, have been brought up. I, I really don't mind the uh, blending of the continuities that much. I mean, it bothered me the first time I saw it, and they mentioned that, oh, she's got the Lighthawk wing, and 
wait, she's got, she has a Lighthawk wing, too? Uh, it makes no sense. And then, like, Yosho, uh, Grandpa isn't, is or isn't Yosho in this one. It's it's bizarre. Or at least uh, he's not the one that planted the, the, the tree there. That's still Aika's some distant relative. Didn't really make sense, make sense on the first viewing. And I think that's probably the only flaw in terms of this blending of continuities. I don't mind it at all. I'm personally, I think the uh, the universe continuity with uh, the two movies tacked on at the end is the superior of the continuities, at least story-wise and present presentation-wise. I, I will echo what uh, Mittens has said. Uh, I would really love to see some more Hasegawa stuff. Uh, I am also a huge Kione fan, as some of you know. Uh, it would be really great to see more of Hasegawa stuff. I thought she did really well. Like I said, the only thing I really found problematic was just the, the vagueness of the blending of the continuities. I mean, I think that stems from what I know of the novels is they started off like completely in line with the OVA, but then they sort of morphed and took on qualities of Tenchi universe, and then they eventually just end uh, in their own continuity strain. But I, I would definitely love to see more more Hasegawa stuff, and I would like to see more continuity blending if, if, if we ever get to see more. I thought this was done very well. I don't mind different continuities at all. I mean, I'm a dual fan, so we're kind of, we've been off in that territory for years anyway, but I would like to see the Hasegawa novels turned into an anime or something, simply because we don't even really know what's in them. You know, they're novel form in Japanese, but we don't have them translated to know what's really in there, and the covers look interesting enough that it could be kind of like the fun sections of Tenchi Universes. You get a lot of different things and different characters uh, coming into the Tenchi world and you know you play off them kind of like Nagi which led to you know Ryoko going into you know space battles or different things with her but my big thing is I prefer it to be linear where if you're going to do a different continuity have everything in order so everything that pertains to that continuity is in that continuity if you're going to show it on TV do it one run at a time and don't mix things up. Like even right now, we it, what we're talking about here is listed as Tenchi the movie two, and yet it doesn't actually pertain. I mean, there wasn't really a Tenchi the movie one. Tenchi Muyo and Love one and Tenchi Muyo and Love two pertain to the universe series, and that makes sense to some degree. You know, naming of the titles aside, but those are in order. You throw this one in there, and it doesn't fit with either of the other movies or necessarily Tenchi Universe. And it's like, okay, what does this pertain to? It doesn't pertain to OVA, it doesn't pertain to Universe, doesn't really pertain to Tenchi in Tokyo. Great. Now you're seeing a standalone movie, essentially, that doesn't fit in anywhere, and the, the titling is confusing as all can be. So, you know, if you're going to do different continuities, fine. That's, you know, great. We've got a bunch of them, different things to pull from, variety of stuff. Um, I would like to see more, but keep it in order so that us fans don't have any more to have to try and figure out, please. As far as the question goes, in all honesty, I wish Tenchi did it more. <laughs> uh, nowadays, as far as anime goes, the creator of whatever has an idea. He puts it on paper as manga. After serialization, it gains fans. Then it becomes an anime, rinse, repeat. Long gone are the days of anime being truly unique to the medium first. While Tenchi is the polar opposite to that, not only was the anime created first, but most of Tenchi isn't canon to begin with, and considering how the original creator himself, Kajishima, can only do just that, make new characters, because more characters equals plot to him, 
I'd love to see a series based on Hasegawa's 13 novels. The last three even have Mayuka as a small girl, or Okuda's manga. Each are very much Tenchi, but they add a unique spin to the writing and art styles that really makes it refreshing to read and definitely would be fun to watch. If we did it that way, it would keep the continuities complete in a way. You would have you wouldn't have to worry about like, oh well this is second movie is actually an adaptation of Hasegawa's tenth novel, which is a spin-off of the OVA, etc. It's it gets very confusing, like it's been said multiple times here. Midsummer's Eve, The Daughter of Darkness, was the shortest movie of the three, clocking in at about fifty-four minutes. Did you feel like anything was rushed, or do you think it fit the format? Even though it's shorter for some odd reason, I don't think it was as rushed as I felt in the first one. I don't know why. I know it's shorter in the first one. It just, I just I didn't feel rushed. I thought it was. I thought everything was all right. But personally, I would like to see it be a little longer because throughout the movie you see a lot of Ryoko and her reactions and her emotions. So I would like to see it a little longer, just you know, for a few reasons of my own. But I thought it was fine personally. So. Yeah, I, I thought it was fine as well. I mean, sure, it's the shortest of all three movies, but the pacing, I thought it was it was okay. I mean, the only other thing that I would have done to make it longer was, I think it was either JG or Chuck who said it earlier, you know, Mayuka just appears out of nowhere. I would have had her properly appear in the house some way, either have her travel across Japan looking for Tenchi or... You know, she she arrives from a ship from Jirai in order to find him. But that's it's probably the only thing that I would have done to make it a little longer. Other than that, I thought it was really really okay. I thought it accomplished a lot in fifteen four minutes. And I wasn't really a fan of the film, but I thought that was enough time. I felt it was extremely rushed, almost to the point that I, I had a hard time following it. It was kind of a turn off. Is the characters bickering, the animation? If you're just sitting there watching it, it almost some degree it feels like you're stuck on fast forward because they're rushing around the screen and like the battle scenes later in the movie when they're fighting i mean it's just super fast you know explosions running around running up a wall running through the air running you know all the way around shooting explosions blah blah blah, blah. you know it kind of felt like i was watching a, a michael bay movie in animated form back from the 90s it could have been drawn out a lot more like i said i would have much more preferred to see the continuation of the stuff on the stardock or the christmas and characters sitting down to do that rather than you know rush 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 explosions you know dealing with manipulative little you know what are those things used to be called the little troll dolls that had little Harry put a pencil up their butt or whatever cupid dolls something like that kind of what, what she reminds me of but yeah it, it was it felt extremely rushed to me I'm gonna maybe differ a bit from everyone else I thought the uh, the format itself suited the time rather well I mean it didn't it wasn't like a cinematic movie like the first one and it wasn't a, a slow burn drama piece like the third one. And I think it, it just felt more of like an extended special. Like if you tacked on maybe another 20 minutes to the Moshi special and used that showing more shenanigans going on between the beginning and end of the plot. And I, so I thought, that, I thought the time actually really fit well with the format of, of the short special sort of thing. I will say that, yeah, after spoiler alert, basically uh, Yuzuha possesses uh, Mayuka and then they have to go and rescue, rescue Sasami from that underworld sort of thing. It, it, it does get a bit rushed, and they don't really explain, like, what's this branch of the Tree of Light thing supposed to do? It just kind of, like, it just kind of shows up and says, yeah, here you go. And then Tenchi just one slice and it's done. 
But uh, other than that, I thought it was it was it was done it was done rather well for for the time that they had um, before that. Such as there's just the reactions to uh, Mayuka's presence in the house. You see, Ryoko especially takes a, takes offense at it, and the other girls are uh, a bit unpleasant about uh, Mayuka's presence in there as well. And you see the uh, you don't get a bit you don't get a much character development except of course in Ryoko's case where uh, after the slap heard around the world where Tenchi slaps uh, Ryoko we you do get to see quite a bit on that line where Ryoko then heads off to the the tree and is comforted by Aika um, and then meets Tenchi on the roof and I thought that was probably the longest of the short little subplots that went on and that was done the best so yeah all in all I'd say that the time. Was uh, it fit? It fit the format. Sure, I would have liked to see it a bit longer, but all in all, I thought it was it fit it very well. I'm going to have to echo that sentiment. I think the first movie is definitely the best theater movie of the three. The second movie still has it still has a cinematic feel to it, but it's much more toned down. It feels much more like a special. It doesn't feel like you have to be in the theater watching it. It doesn't. It also doesn't have the same build. The soundtrack isn't the same. All around, it's a different setup, uh, and the plot itself is much more in line with what you'd see from early OVA, aka Slice of Life, with short adventures involving the cast. In all honesty, while I'd like to see more Yuzuha or Mayuka from the movie, because, you know, I like the characters, I think, if anything, it was pushing its time on screen more than it was that it needed more. I think there were a few plots that probably could have been extended, but I'd say for what it was and how it was played, it wrapped up nicely. And, of course, this one is always the one that everybody brings up when they watch the movie. Tenchi decides to strike one of the girls for the first time, and it just so happens to be a crowd favorite. What do you think of Tenchi hitting Ryoko and your reaction to it? Oh, man. As a, as a die-hard Ryoko fan, I can tell you from just the pit of my stomach, I hated that moment. I, I just... Oh, no, I agree with kind of what Chuck said or somebody said before we got started. It does lead to some really sweet moments between Tenchi and Ryoko, but oh, I, I still find that scene hard to watch to this day. I mean, it's just it it it's just not a good scene for a, for a diehard Ryoko fan. I don't know. I kind of avoided the movies after kind of hearing that through the grapevine eventually because out of the the female characters you know i prefer ryoko and kione and stuff like that you know in terms of pecking order but the i don't know when i actually saw it i wasn't expecting it right there as quickly as it ha happened it kind of came out of the blue even though i knew it was supposed to show up somewhere i don't know like like uh ryoko fan just said you know, it does lead to some nicer moments, although I don't think Tenchi apologized enough or, you know, made amends personally. I mean, in a, a real-life situation, that would not have been enough. And, and plus, you're dealing with Ryoko, who's a, a space pirate. You know, if we're going off the Tenchi universe background, she's supposed to be, you know, a bit of a badass there if it were me in her shoes dickering back and forth with Mayuka, I would have kind of blown her ass away and then been done with it. You know, she tried dropping her out of the sky and then saved her at the very end and got into trouble for that, but it's very hard to watch and so forth. I'm not sure it was even needed to be in the film 
uh, in order to accomplish what they needed to do. But, you know, and still Ryoko sticks by Tenchi kind of almost blindly after that without too much... They don't show it too well as to, you know, like, okay, you said he's sorry, we're having a moment. Go back to, you know, protecting his ass anyway. And she's the only one that sticks by him right next to him when he has to go into the final battle, essentially. You know, like others have said, Aika kind of drops out of nowhere with the, you know, little branch of life thing. But I'm more interested more so in hearing other people's opinions, actually. Oh, God. I mean, just like he said, you know, I wasn't expecting it when it happened. Wasn't even going to... Didn't even imagine that's what was going to happen. But when it did happen, I was like, Tenchi, you son of a bitch. I mean, diehard, you know, I'm a diehard Ryoko fan, so I was, I was fucking, I was pissed. I mean, I didn't like it at all. I really, really didn't. And no, he didn't apologize enough. And then he just kind of said, sorry, sorry. And then, of course, she still sticks with him. But uh, I just didn't like it. Just didn't like it at all. He didn't apologize enough. I don't know. I just don't like it at all. I've said it, I've said it before. This movie, in my opinion, was all about Ryoko, pretty much. I mean, all you can take all the other subplots, and th- yeah, they're nice and they're well contained in this in this story. But the thing that the thing that you take out of this movie is that it's it's all about Ryoko and her her relationship with Tenshi. It, it was a, it was a very big shock when I saw it too. I first watched it on the uh, on the YouTube channel. I had to pause it and backtrack and start again just to make sure that I had seen it correctly. And it did come it did come as a shock to it. It was it was I was like, holy crap, he just hit her. And I, I will echo the sentiments of Mitch and Ryoko fan, and I think Tenshi was being a bit of a bitch, but uh, and it, it was a bit disappointing to see Ryoko just stick by her man and not get really angry about it like I would have expected her to. I said before the podcast started that I thought, it, as shocking as it was, it led to some really, really touching uh, scenes later in the movie, such as uh, when Aika comes down to the tree to console her, and uh, Ryoko actually ends up being the one who consoles Aika. Uh, I thought that was a very that was a very very seldom seen uh, bonding moment between the two, and then of course the scene on the roof where they, she and Tenchi sort of make amends that was very touching. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll definitely agree with what Mittens called it before the podcast started. She called it the slap that was heard around the world, and I definitely have to agree with that. It's it's, not, it's probably what most people remember from this movie. Like you know, even a big Keone fan. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I did start out liking Ryoko originally. And, yeah, that scene is just uncomfortable to watch. It's like, oh, no, you didn't. I just don't like it. It's funny because my favorite moment comes right after my least favorite moment in probably all of attention history. And, like, everybody has echoed here. Spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie, Ryoko, like everyone else, is not happy one bit. Mayuka is there, but Ryoko, being the strongest one of the gang, pushes on it, and the tension escalates to Tenchi slapping Ryoko, which is absolutely the worst thing in the world to watch. It's like Tenchi reached through the screen and slapped you personally. It's... Oh, man. I remember watching that for the first time and being in shock. Literal shock. And if there's anything, one thing that is clearly burnt into my mind from that movie, it is that slap. And finally, what was your favorite part of the movie? And if not favorite, the part or parts that stood out to you the most? Uh, well, I'm glad I'm uh, the first one to answer this. Um, I really, like I said, this one was a lot easier than, than the other, than the first movie, where I had, uh, I had a hard time picking a, picking a favorite part. But this one, this one is easy for me. I'd say about the last uh, five minutes of the actual movie itself, before the credits run, when uh, Ryoko decides that she's going to 
support uh, Mayuka being brought back. Spoiler alert. And then it runs, and then it runs to the credits. And through the credits, we have these wonderful uh, little, or almost crayonish drawings of uh, Mayuka growing up and celebrating Christmas at, at, at the Tenshi Misaki household. And, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. And the, the, what really is the icing on the cake for that is just the wonderful theme of the movie, the Manatsuno no Eve from the soundtrack. It's probably my favorite piece of music from the Tenshi series. And it just, it, it fits so well with what's going on on screen, what, it, it wraps up the story, and it just, it, it, it really, uh, it's, it's the, the bow on top of the, uh, the present, as I, as I say, but that, that would be my favorite from, from the, the ending credits. That's, that's for me. That's where it's at. I want to pretty much agree with Chuck on that, that if there was going to be a, a good part to it, I mean, the makeup scene with Ryoko, to some degree, you have to like, just because you're getting, you know, a bone essentially thrown to the fans for something, but it was... What came before it did not equal out in terms of... There was no equivalent exchange there, I guess you could put it. But, uh, yeah, the crayon drawing, seeing the, you know, Mayuka grow back up under normal circumstances, sort of a blank slate, you kind of have hope that she wouldn't be as kind of schizophrenic and, you know, clingy and after daddy to do strange, dirty things. So maybe she'd have a chance at a normal life and grow up to be a, a re, you know a regular type character or something that you'd like to possibly see more of. So there's kind of hope for the future there. Again, we'd like to see a more uh, properly drawn out Christmas episode too, and we never really got that from any of the other series. So that's kind of nice to have little hints of it here and there. The worst moment, I don't know, the the whole thing in general, like I said, the battle scenes and the slap and me being on the, the negative end of, of some of the characters. Like I said, the thing with uh, the Jiraiyan Festival was kind of nice, but it, it wasn't touched on enough to really give us, you know, a real good glimpse there. But there's there's some good parts or some bad parts, but it's kind of almost, almost glad to kind of see it over with, but would have liked to have seen the next book in the series more so than anything. And we have a one-liner in here from good old Kiyoka. My favorite moment from the movie, it's probably not going to be echoed by anyone else, was when Mayuka's demon form was revealed. I'm into characters turning evil and quite liked her personality in this form. Uh, whilst it was short, it was just a revealing moment of her demon form slash suit. And short fight scene, that was my favourite. It was a shame that it was so short before the cliche moment of her being taught back into being good kicked in. Uh, I like the uh, beginning when everyone is enjoying Christmas, drinking sake, just hanging out, having fun. And also when Sasami and the others are making origami, I don't know, just always a neat part. And Chuck mentioned the ending credits. I like that too. I actually have a lot of parts in this movie that, that are my favorite. I think, in my opinion at least, this was the funniest out of all three of the movies. One of the earlier, well, technically throughout all the movie, the whole movies, when how Mayuka essentially takes Aeka's place in fighting Ryoko. And I always love how it just takes one single moment and Ryoko is on Mayuka faster than she would have been on Aeka about something, you know. Like I said at the beginning, I love... Yuzuha's little possessed toy collection when Ryoko and Tenchi have to go to, I forget what it's called, but it's essentially Yuzuha's realm to go get Mayuka back. 
<laughs> and the one that always cracks me up the most is that little teddy bear that shoots knives at him. He says, did we hurt you? Did we scare you? I'm so sorry. <laughs> that line always cracks me up. And it's just one of, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. And then probably my favorite part is, I think Chuck is one who brought it up at the very beginning, is when Ryoko says that she's going to be Mayuka's personal trainer. And then Washu says, well, I guess Ryoko just will be Ryoko. And Tenchi just like, that's what worries me. <laughs> but, you know, I think those those were the three parts that I could I could definitively call my favorite parts from the movie. Uh, I got many moments. Um, favorite, uh, I don't know if there's one above the rest, but I like the, uh, the fight scene between Tenchi and, uh, I guess, the demon form. You know, when Aika brings that little branch or whatever, I like that. And um, touching moment would be whenever Mayuka gets turned back into that little crystal and Sasami's crying and Tenchi's got to pull her back. That would be a touching moment for me. And just like that was said a minute ago, there's I love all the funny moments in there, like the teddy bear. And one of my favorite funny moments is when... Like, my, like before they go to her realm, Mayuka's like running out through the woods or whatever, and Sasami's chasing her, and Aika's right behind her, and Aika falls and busts her ass. I, th- I thought that was hilarious. Um, but I just, I just like the movie. It's just one of my favorite movies. But that's about it for favorite moments. If I had to look at all of the moments, I mean, the movie has a lot of good ones and a lot of great ones that really stick with you, but. The one that usually tops the rest for me is right after everyone's everyone's favorite slap. Uh, Ryoko's in pretty much the same position as all of us, defeated and helpless, and she leaves and goes onto the roof. Uh, Tenshi, realizing what an asshat move he just made, goes up to comfort her. Now, it's the scene, as it plays out, that really made the movie for me, because it showed that not only... Is Tenchi not a spineless, one-sided jellyfish of a male lead character, which is what every single lead male character does. Tenchi, of all characters, he goes up there and apologizes. Now, granted, he just slapped every, pretty much everyone's favorite character. I mean, the the poster girl for Tenchi, and it's not it's not just that easy. It's not that easy for all of us. But he accepts Ryoko's affection afterwards. And she lays on his shoulder, and it shows both of them sitting there looking up at the moon. And it's a f- it's just a fantastic pickup scene. You, it, it's the perfect roller coaster. You go all the way down, and then you're coming all the way back up. And there's them sitting at the top watching the moon. That's good writing. But I'd expect no less from Hasegawa. Thank you, everybody, for being in and sharing your thoughts and opinions on The Daughter of Darkness, Midsummer's Eve. Does anybody have anything they want to add? I suppose I'll chip in again. Um, me being a huge Kennedy fan, because I, I was brought up on Tinch Universe, I didn't know at first that Hasegawa created Kennedy. I didn't know what the original Kennedy was like, so when it came about, I was pretty surprised to find out that the original Kennedy is basically has got no temper at all, which was quite a shock to see in the movie. Uh, I just thought it was ever so nice to see what the original Keone is supposed to be like. Yeah, I guess I'll echo that. I mean, as a huge Keone fan myself, uh, it was it was nice to see her again. I wish we could see we could have seen more. I mean, this is a Hasegawa novel-based story, and Hasegawa is the one who created Keone, so I would have hoped 
to seeing a bit more. I will agree with Kyoko in that this is a very different uh, Kione from what we're used to seeing, and it's. I wish we could have seen more so I could have made a, uh, a better judgment on uh, how the original Kione was. I have a quick question. Um, okay, whenever Mayuka's, you know, first part about, you know, DNA from this demon and then DNA from Tamachi, and then after the movie, she's reborn to Washi's lab. Is she born under the same circumstances? Like, same DNA as before, or what? Yes. Okay, okay. I didn't know. I was thinking about that. I was like, wait a minute. She just has a chance to, like JG said, and like everybody else has seen through the end of the movie, she's given a blank slate. She's able to grow up without having the baggage of Yuzuha's uh, malice vengeance tacked onto her. And she's able to using her as a yeah, tool. Yeah, she's able to be her own person. And like it, like it's been said, she ends up... They, she's a part of the family normally in novels 11, 12, and 13, so it's not like this is a one-time thing where Mayuka just suddenly disappears and she's taken to dry or something. She's a part of the household. So I think it would be especially nice to see the novels animated if ever given the chance, because we would be able to see Mayuka a part of it and really be more of a character that everybody can associate with as opposed to one that really reminds us of Sakuya, which is not what you'd want to say. Um, actually, uh, just quickly, I, I just wanted to say that out of all the attempts at having a new Tenshi girl tacked on, I think Mayuka was the one, uh, only one that they got it right with. I didn't, Sakuya didn't like, Noiko didn't like, was it her name, Haruna in the third movie? Whatever her name was, I didn't like her. But Mayuka... She just fits in. Yeah, that's what I, I was going to try and go on too. Is that if you think about it, that could have been probably a good question for the regular podcast. But is uh, you know, out of all the attempts or ways that have been tried to bring up, is like, well, who gets Tenchi? Well, nobody gets Tenchi, but they still have a kid in the sense that Yahuza or I can't ever pronounce her name right, but. Yeah, it's biological DNA mixing there, which I imagine, you know, Washu could have just as easily done as if anybody. But that that fixes the problem, essentially. You know, nobody gets it, but they still have a kid, and everybody can agree to, you know, teach her and grow her up, you know, normal in that craziness of a household. So it, so it solves the problem. And, and like Mitch was asking there, is that she's basically all of her DNA substance or whatever is in the crystal. She's just reconstituted, uh, kind of like instant oatmeal, I guess. All, all the oatmeal is in there, but just add water and you've got oatmeal again. It's just not her... I'd imagine her mind was started fresh from infancy there. What a mention, uh, JG, just mentioning uh, Washu, brought up another point that I meant to bring up earlier, which was, uh, I think this movie sort of like the first movie, suffers a lack of Washu. But unlike the first movie, we do get a lot of really memorable Washu moments for what little she shows up. Like when she's uh, explaining how Mayuka might be the daughter of one of the girls from the future, and all the girls are rushing around and discussing it, and Washu's just spitting out watermelon seeds. Uh, that was that was cool. And, and, and how she, when she sneaks up on Mayuka and pulls the hair out and says, Oh, thank you for volunteering for my experiment. 
and then quick runs off to the lab. I thought those were some very good Washu moments, and for what little we got of her, it was, I think, her best uh, appearance in any of the three movies. Well, I think on the subject of Washu not seeing very much of her, I, in all honesty, I think it's kind of against her character to be thrust into the spotlight like that. I mean, you, you see Ryoko, you see Aika, they're kind of the ones that have a lot more charisma. They want to be up in the front, as opposed to Washu, who's off working on a pro on a project on a, an experiment she's off in her lab those are all important things to her not being like oh hey look look at me i'm doing something important it's oh hey guys how's it going i've been working on this and uh i'm glad to see that you guys are all here and i'm doing important stuff so granted you want to make sure that you i guess cater to every fan but i think if it fits in character as you don't really have to put her out there like okay washu's gonna send them back into the past in the first movie but that's it i mean you re you really don't want to thrust anymore because i in, in my opinion i think it feels a little bit out of character i don't know you've got the i forget which series it's from but you know washu's got her little talking dolls i guess it was universe and she's a little bit more of a show-off there than anything else. It's no, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm just, I'm the greatest scientist in the universe. Although she repeats that in other series too. She's a little bit more of a show-off there than anywhere else. But yeah, yeah, I can, I can agree with that. I see what you're saying. All right. Well, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube for upcoming TenchiCast. Download links are available below. Be sure to check in for the drama that is the finale, part three, Tenchi Forever: Distant Memories. Until next time, stay gold.